Yo, everyone, Joe here. In this episode, I had the privilege of chatting with Jorge Lopez, a former U.S. Air Force officer who is currently a scrum master, a team coach for software development teams, and a Gallup certified strengths coach. During our talk, we explored agile frameworks, self-mastery, and much, much more. Enjoy. Live. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan. I have another fantastic guest today, Jorge Lopez. What's up, Jorge? Hey, how's it going? It's going awesome, man. It's going awesome. And for our listeners, uh, Jorge is a former U.S. Air Force officer, and today he's a scrum master, which we're going to talk about, and a team coach for software development teams, and he is also a Gallup certified strengths coach. How are things in uh, your neck of the woods over there, brother? Uh, it's it's all good. Uh, I cannot complain uh, a lot of disruption, but uh, I get to to be with my family. I'm still getting to to do self growth, mm. so it's uh it's all good. Yeah, you know, I, I was just listening to something where it's talking about you know a lot of times disruption. Initially, when we see it, it's not a good thing, but in ways we can find some good out of it. And I think we're gonna have some cool conversations about the uh, mindset approach on things. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So, hey, so start off on the Llama Lounge. Whenever we have a guest on, we like them to share their story as we find that, you know, we can often glean some wisdom from the stories of others. So we're hoping you could share how uh, Jorge Lopez became the Jorge Lopez we know today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that, that could take the whole hour, right? Um, <laughs> no, but let, I guess I'll, I'll go chronologically, right? Um, so I'm I'm native from Puerto Rico, born born and raised, right? And I, I guess uh, yeah. So I joined. I was the first time I went to the United States uh, was when I actually came out from my commission, right? So so I did ROTC through college, and my background, at least my my bachelor's degree, was uh, electrical engineering. And uh, the Air Force, they, they figure they don't need uh, electrical engineers. They sent me to, hey, you're going to be a civil engineer. <laughs> and so, so that was like the, the first uh, pirate uh, that I did. But moving from Puerto Rico to my first assignment was Biloxi, Mississippi. Mm. So for me, it was a little bit of, of culture shock, right? But for for quite some time, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do through college, the the U.S. Air Force as as an organization, uh, as as a structure that has its own culture and values, that what's uh, called into me to to join, and and serve. And uh, at one point, I I said I'm just gonna do four years, and and then go from there. And those four years uh, took me to eight eight years, right? So I did eight years in, in the service uh, as a civil engineer uh, officer. But uh, one, one particular challenge for me uh, moving from Puerto Rico to, to the United States, and uh, as you may know, in, in Puerto Rico, our main language 
uh, is Spanish. Mm -hmm. And uh, officially by the book, you have Spanish and English, but there's a big sector of the population that they just go by Spanish. And, and I was one of those, right? So, so in order for me to join, obviously I needed to, to spawn up my English uh, uh, game, right? As, as a language. And it took me at least three, three times for me to uh, get the test, right? So there's a, there's a test for officers for who have English as a second language. It took me three times to mm. go through that. And, and they're like, come back again. And until <laughs> I, I got it, right? But yeah, uh, assignments that, that I have as a civil engineer. So, so Biloxi uh, was my, my first one, right? But uh, I also uh, spent some time in, in South Korea. Uh, mm. with the sea uh, red devils yeah uh, that, that was an outstanding uh, assignment I, I also spent time in, in Germany and um, and then afterwards it took me to San Antonio Texas and and that's where I, I separated and of course the the deployments in between mm. yeah that's pretty cool so you got even though you know it was an eight-year uh career in the air force you got to go see asia and use afi that's pretty cool yeah uh yeah. yes definitely and 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 one thing uh, and maybe a little bit tailored towards self-growth mm -hmm. so while i was in biloxi mississippi uh, i was able to participate and engage with uh learning other languages so uh I, I was able to learn Portuguese and Italian. Oh, nice! And I, I and to this time, I cannot believe that the Air Force kind of uh, they they sent me to some of that training, right? Nice to, to get that and visit some of the countries and and have that language in, immersion. So uh, yeah, uh, so so that's something uh, I enjoyed, and uh, in, in a way, came from you know struggling with English as, as a second language, but then not stopping there, right? Going and, and trying to uh, learn and practice uh, other languages as well. That's pretty awesome. That's amazing. And I think, uh, so did you got to go to Portugal on a trip I, for I, that? I, I did. And yeah. it's one, one of those things that I'm just going to book mm -hmm. a, a flight <laughs> yeah. and I'm just going to wing it. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, it was exciting. It was good, good times. Yeah. yeah, I think Lisbon was one of my favorite places I got to go to while I was in Europe. And it was, uh -huh. I mean, I went to so many good places too, but I love, you know what I loved about Lisbon was, and it's probably a lot across Portugal, but um, it uh -huh. had, it had the Western European like um, infrastructure and everything, but it had like Eastern European prices for food and drink, which was amazing. Uh, yeah. So, um, so I guess to, to continue the story, uh, as a CEO officer, I was mostly involved with, with projects, hmm. uh, con construction, military construction, design. And as you know, every assignment might be like a different job for officers. So, so that's uh, what I did. And uh, when I landed in, in San Antonio, uh, I thought it was this time for me to disrupt myself a little bit. And that's where where I separated and uh, started uh, did my master's with the GI Bill, and afterward uh, that uh, I was picked up by USAA to work with them as as a project manager and within USAA right 
and I have been uh, almost more than seven years uh, with them. And I started as a project manager, but uh, I was also introduced to the world of Agile, you know, Scrum and, and adaptive frameworks. And, and that's uh, where I started shifting my career progression from project management more towards uh, Agile uh, Scrum Master, which is uh, many people might think like, what, what's a Scrum Master, right? right, and right. It's an interesting question, but uh, Scrum is, is one of those frameworks uh, for products and, and projects within the software development world that, that is used instead of the classic, and in hindsight, it's called waterfall, instead of the classic waterfall model where you just plan, design, and then build, right? So within the agile framework of, of Scrum, think about, about this, uh, you plan a little bit, design a little bit, and then you build some of it. And then you show up to the customers, the sponsors, hey, this is what we got. Is this what you want? And, and then those user customers, they, they might go and say, yes, that's what I wanted. Or say something like, hey, that's uh, what I've asked. And now that I see it, that's not going to work. Let's pivot and do something else. Right. So, so since the, the name Agile, where you are more agile, more adaptive to what we're trying to, to see because there's some effect of I know it when I see it, right? So, so there's a, a little bit of that. And then Scrum is one of those frameworks that uh, today is one of the main ones used in, in the agile environment. There are other things. There's uh, uh, Kanban, there's XP. Uh, there's also scaling frameworks where you take from one team to multiple teams that are collaborating to build a, a big product. So as what a Scrum Master does, and, and just a parenthesis here, the name Scrum Master doesn't mm -hmm. do many favors for me because when you call somebody <laughs> master of anything, it's kind of hard to, to do what a Scrum Master is trying to do. So, so Scrum Master is more of coach right, a change uh, manager for, for the team. So they facilitate meetings, they, they teach about the frameworks, they use uh, coaching as, as a, a tool in order uh, to help the teams become self-organizing. So from a project management standpoint where you are calling the shots, you're creating the schedule, you're like managing people's time, creating mm -hmm. those work breakdown structures, you uh, pivot to something where I'm no longer in the forefront. Um, I'm here in the background supporting the self-organizing teams. They'll manage, but, but I'm going to help them to facilitate meetings, to, to create a strong team dynamic where mm. uh, the team is cohesive and, uh, and, and successful. So that's kind of like in a nutshell what a Scrum Master does. Uh, and obviously there's other transactional things to, you know, you, you do within an organization, but, but basically you serve uh, uh, as a coach to, to your teams, to, to the product owners, to management, and, and to the whole organization as well. So is, so is a Scrum Master, is that you know, terminology or that nomenclature or that position, is that typically only assigned to like an IT type world or is that can be any type of project type things? 
So, so it, that, that's a really good question because to today, like Agile was uh, conceived uh, from the uh, software development world mm -hmm. where uh, uh, in 2001, a bunch of really smart people gathered and, and they were from different frameworks and, and they created what is today called the Agile Manifesto. Mm. And, and basically it was tolerated by the software developers, but uh, it's not just for software development today. It, mm. it's, it can be used for anything that is knowledge work, right? Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because when you're talking about that, just the, the whole agile piece, it really um, made me think of when I was at USAFE last time, we were um, talking about agile combat employment. And you know, I mean, it's just a different mindset of how you can adjust and not just go to the same framework that you normally, you know, that was traditional, that was always there. So I think that's really cool what you're doing. And the yeah. coaching piece has got to be pretty rewarding when you could see your team start to uh, start to get there, right? To get to yeah. the goal. It is. And, and part of it is there's a little bit of, of, of shift when you move from project management to, mm -hmm. to more of a coach mindset that it's not about you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you let others take the glory, although a project manager should be doing that as well, right? Mm -hmm. But definitely it's not about you. You, you just step back. Uh, the coaching mindset, you kind of lead from, from behind. And it's, it's a one form of leadership. And, and obviously, it's not it's not the only uh, form of leadership as a scrum master that you use, right? But you definitely fall into the the leading by asking questions, right? And, and it's one of, of those things that uh, maybe that's the default for me personally. But if uh, I don't know if I have a team that's gonna be hit by a bus. I'm not mm -hmm. gonna go there and be like, "Hey, does it smell like gas in here?" And, <laughs> and, and no, I just push them out of the way, right? And then right. you kind of uh, shift a little bit of of the where you're coming from, right? Yeah, and I think that's pretty cool because one of my um big foundational pieces when it comes to coaching and developing teams that, you know, that I'm privileged enough to lead is that, you know, you know, good leaders might teach people how to do, but I think great leaders help people develop their own frameworks of, of thinking and processing information and making good decisions, you know, to help them figure out how they're going to deal with it in their way. So I think that the, being a scrum, um, scrum master has got to be really cool because I also found it when I transitioned to where uh, in my position that I'm not necessarily managing projects, like you said, and it's liberating because now I'm really just serving the team letting yeah. them do what, what they need to do to to um to shine and, and succeed so that's got to be really cool and you're a, a certified scrum professional which is the highest level of scrum master certification you can get right yeah yeah so so well uh, within the, the scrum alliance so so there's mm -hmm. two main organizations uh, one is scrum alliance and the other one uh, scrum.org and they play nice with each other, right? Okay, There's a lot good. of cross-pollination there. But within the Scrum Alliance, you have the certified Scrum Master. That's like the entry-level you know, prerequisites. Then you have the Advanced Certified Scrum Master Certification. Uh, there's a little bit of... Uh, experience under there and then there's the certified scrum professional and i'm i'm really proud of getting that one because for for that certification itself uh, it's very instructor driven so scrum mm -hmm. alliance gives instructors a, a lot of well i wouldn't say a lot but quite a bit of 
liberty on determining what what their gates are right passing mm -hmm. gates so i spent like i spent like exhausting three-day class and i say exhausting because by the end of the third day i, I had so much content to use that I, I didn't know where to start you know when i come back to the real world but that didn't give me a certification the certification itself was a uh, uh, a home assignment that ended up to be like for me 40 pages long mm. and it, it it was almost like a dissertation right of what a scrum master <laughs> is and it took a lot of uh, back and forth submissions resubmissions editing mm -hmm. and um and what it did for me it was a lot of self i guess uh, a, a lot of self-awareness exercise right how, mm. how i'm showing up and what should I do about those things that I discover? Well, that's, that's awesome because to me, what you just described tells me that that certification is absolutely value added because um, so many out there that you can kind of just go in and get it. And, you know, I mean, like you kind of sign your name to it, it might take a quick test, but the ones that are really valuable, I think, and should be value, valued by organizations is, are the ones that kind of, you got to go through that crucible that you just kind of went yeah. through. Yeah, and and there's, I mean, certainly, uh, I wouldn't say within Scrum or or an Agile. I mean, there's quite a few of those that you just describe that you just do the check mark. Mm -hmm. uh, but there there's like entry level things that they sound like that, but then you have the option to to go deeper and and mm -hmm. deeper, right? And, and those that the steep uh, it becomes steeper uh, as as you go. And one thing I like to say about Agile and adaptive frameworks and methodologies, uh, call it what you call it, is, mm -hmm. I mean, Scrum is, is one of those ones, but within the Agile Manifesto, one of the, uh, they, they came out with some statements where they value some things over the others. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they stated is that we value more individuals and interactions over processes and, and tools mm. so within the software development community and, and the work there you know it was it has been and, and maybe you can say still is overwhelmed with processes and tools right and right it, anything where you know any bit in any place where you have a business you're trying to make money or, or build things you know there's got to be processes and, and tools and sometimes we forget about the importance of the individuals and, right. and the quality of, of those interactions. So even though we value processes and tools, we value individuals and interactions more, right? And, and for me, in a, a role like that and somebody who's who's trying to, to be a, a leader, right? Uh, that has to be in the forefront, right? Uh, how, mm -hmm. What's the quality of your interactions and how much attention you're paying to to individuals yeah absolutely and i think that you know that description that you just gave us there's a lot of organizations like that out there and if we could shift our focus you know to the people doing the amazing work you know and, and helping them and communicating building those strong relationships um, any organization should benefit from that so that that's awesome thank oh well, thank you for sharing that i mean you know I, I know that that's just a surface level of you know the scrum master um the, the whole thing that we're doing here but i think that um, a lot of folks can do some more research and probably um reach out you know if they have any questions if they're, yeah, they're interested in something like that that'd be cool yeah so, for sure definitely 
Yeah. So, hey, so before we get into it, because that was a great segue into what we're going to talk about, and that's really talking about people and self-mastery, but something that you know, we talk about, you mentioned you consider yourself a pragmatic, agile generalist. Now, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's a very cool term. I was hoping that you could kind of describe that, like maybe deep dive into that a little bit to kind of, you know, explain what you mean by that. And I know it has a lot to do with, you know, what we just talked about, but um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's naturally something that just comes about all the time or if that's, that's a Jorge Lopez thing. <laughs> it, it, a little bit of all, yeah. right? It's a- took me but uh for for me it, it's a little bit aspiring uh, mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. right because sometimes in our, our worst version of ourselves we we don't get to what we want to be mm-hmm. but uh for me what is uh, and i'll i'll say it again right a pragmatic agile uh, generalist mm-hmm. so within the agile uh way of things right there's a lot of, of stuff out there you have scrum you have XP, you have Kanban, you have uh, all these uh, scaling frameworks. Uh, you have many options to pick and choose. And, and there's many voices out there within the community on how to, to deal with this. And, and throw the fact that you have a lot of certifications out there, you have a lot of institutions also monetizing about, you know, the people wanted to to become more experts in the field so there's mm-hmm. more certifications more education there's a lot out there and for better or worse sometimes you have different schools where i'm more of the school of lean everything's mm-hmm. lean right and everything else it's you know it it, it becomes very tunnel vision niche right mm-hmm. so the word pragmatic uh, comes from I'm, I'm just gonna see what you know try different things see what sticks you know experiment let things uh, emerge right so so i'm gonna be pragmatic about things so just because a thing is telling me a framework or whatever is telling me to do it this way um, i'm gonna explore that as a default and mm-hmm. i'll also do other things that might enhance, uh, even if it might move away from that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that that's a little bit of 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 that. Then the word generalist. So, so we there's a lot of talk about um, being T-shaped people within mm-hmm. uh, uh, software development, uh, and what that means is that you're like deep on, on one area, you you specialize. And then uh, you're shallow and everything else. So you can maybe tackle some other things at the basic level mm-hmm. uh, and you specialize on, on something. Uh, the thing for me as an agilist and, and a coach and somebody who are trying to push teams to be self-organizing is that for me to specialize on something, that can be counterintuitive because... What I specialize on will influence then how I see things, right? Mm. So instead of being specialized in something, I would rather be shallow on mm. on everything and, you know, quote, quote, so I can make the connections. Right. right? So so I'm able to, to spot what other solutions that might be out there uh, that may I, I may not spot if I only specialize on, on one single thing. 
Right. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I know us and because both of us have civil engineer backgrounds in our career fields. And, you know, when you come up one way, if you let yourself get the tunnel vision, you don't really get to see how it plays with everything else. And if you get into a leadership role in that, yeah. and now you're only looking through it through that lens and it can cause some issues um, on the infrastructure, really. Right. I mean, so so that's yeah. a great way to look at things. That's awesome. So, you know, I was thinking what you're just kind of talking about with the um, the pragmatic view. Uh, I don't, have you ever read the McDonaldization of society? No, I haven't. Yeah. So I wrote, I had to read that for my undergrad class. I can't remember what it was, but it was just a profound book. And it really talks about how like, you know, we can get to the point where we're so focused on efficiency that we forget about effectiveness. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, we go down that route so much to the point where it ends up, mm-hmm. you know, becoming ineffective because we're over efficient you know and it gets uh-huh. and it gets weird and so when you're just talking about that it kind of reminded me of the some of the concepts in that book that's yeah. just very cool <laughs> yeah for for sure and, and i mean and just a part of the the agile uh, mindset as well is that you don't you don't focus on e- efficiency right mm-hmm. uh, on utilization or people mm-hmm. utilization tiny utilization but you specialize more on on the effectiveness mm-hmm. and that might might be just having some slack on on people right they don't necessarily are hamster wheeling right. uh, on things but they they have some slack to to self-growth or be able to adapt to to other things right yeah and that takes the investment on the front end to allow that to happen right so that you can have the effectiveness in the long run so yeah yeah i love that that concept um so you know we've had a lot of talks i think this is a great um great transition we had a lot of talks in the past and we're exploring you know the concept of self-mastery and um, and yes, to the listeners, these are indeed the type of conversations we have off air as well, <laughs> which I'm not sure if that makes us lame or awesome. But either way, <laughs> Jorge, what does uh, self mastery mean to you? All right, so that's that's Deep, a, right? a very loaded question, <laughs> right? Because there's there's many many ways that we can go about it, mm-hmm. and and maybe to to piggyback on. So so we had this conversation on. Uh, authenticity right and authentic leadership and and one of the things that we talk about was about self-awareness right mm-hmm. that self-reflection and looking looking at that and and i guess if if i were to deep dive a little bit more on on this yeah and we can take again we can take it apart from different places but uh, one of one of those elements of self-mastery they come they're apparent and they come about when we do interactions with other people, mm-hmm. right? And and sometimes it it has to do with how how do you manage conflict, right? Or mm-hmm. or how how when you when you engage with other people, what are the stories you're you're telling yourself, right? And and there's many models out there that that we that that we can talk about. And one thing that comes to mind uh, might be the the drama triangle, and and the drama triangle. Imagine that um, there's three elements of it, right? And each element represents a lesser version of ourselves, right? So hence the the drama, and because it's three of them, the triangle, right? And those three elements are um, so one is the the victim. And you see that uh, on people who are always complaining and saying things like, "Always have this always happened to me," 
you know, those, those people who seem that don't catch a break, right? And, and those people are telling themselves that, that story, right? And on the other side, you have the, the rescuer, right? Uh, that person who takes responsibility of other people's problems all the time, right? And in a way, it's almost like a parental reaction, right? I'll, I'll save you. And, and then the other one is the uh, persecutor, right? That one who's like frustrated with others and, you know, you're wrong, I'm right. You should do this. I have the answer, right? Mm-hmm. And ourselves as, as leaders, we have to be careful because uh, these are not necessarily states that we are. They're more like we, in a bad day, we have the risk of falling in this lesser version of, of ourselves, right? So, so as, as you interact with other people, it's good to pay attention to, are, are you falling into a victim uh, story? Uh, or are you doing the rescuer or, or the persecutor, right? At the same time, are you aware if the other person it's, is doing that as well, right. right? And because if if you play that interaction and fall into that drama triangle mm-hmm. with others, now you're playing that that game, right? right? So so maybe that's a model that we can use for self mastery, and, and mm-hmm. it's uh, one one of them, right? Um, at the there's another thing that uh, I happen to to be using myself quite a bit in, in this time and, and space of disruption, right? A lot of changes, uh, both professionally and, and with family. And it's a, it's a tool that comes from nonviolent communication from Marshall Rosenberg. Okay. And it's a tool to, to slow down. And, and pay attention and be mindful of, of what's going on, right? It helps with empathy and, and helps you to be mindful. And, and what you do it is this, right? So whatever uh, situation you're at with another person or, or just yourself, there are four buckets that things you have in your head that can fall into, right? And one of those things is data. So you have data observations. What do I know to be true, right? This is mm-hmm. happening. This is data. It's something that can pass in court as evidence, right. right? Now, on another side, you have feelings, you know. So what, what is this making me feel, right? Am um, I mad, sad, glad? Um, um, am I afraid, ashamed? Mm-hmm. Then on another, uh, on another bucket, you're going to have judgments, right? So what am I thinking about that other person or uh, about the situation itself or maybe about myself, right? And, mm-hmm. and you might find out that for some little piece of data, you're going to have a huge list of, of judgments and mm-hmm. things about the others, right? <laughs> right. So, so, so you're putting, you know, you're slowing down, putting this, all, all these things in, in a bucket. And, and also the fourth bucket is what are your wants and, and needs that are not being met? Uh, because of this right so so in a, in a way it's a tool to slow you down right uh, it does help with conflict or or you know just slowing down to to gain that awareness mm-hmm. uh, before you shit yourself on the foot or say right. something that that you don't want to say right so so again you got data feelings judgments and, and wants and needs and uh, for every 
situation that you might have if you have wants and, and needs uh, that are not being met, then how do you go about instead of judge calling people or, you know, how, how do you go about asking for what you want and, and need before uh, being critical of the other or, or the situation, right? And right. in a way, it, it captures mindfulness, but uh, going more for the nonviolent communication, this is uh, where it comes from, is how do you communicate in a way that, that you're effective and in, uh, for lack of better words, nonviolent? Because mm -hmm. once you, you try, once, once, if you communicate in a way that is critical of the other person, chances are you're not going to obtain what, what you need, right? Um, right? And maybe you, you win the battle mm -hmm. right there, but then you lose the war because maybe now your relationship with that person is now severed, right? Yeah. So that's uh, uh, more towards um, self-mastery. And I got one more thing that, that I can think of. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is the, the realm of habits, Right. So any given day, there's uh, most of the stuff that you do is actual habits, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and those habits are, are things in, in your brain that your, your brain cannot decide all the time what you want to do, right? If, if you had to make a decision for every little thing, in day you're, you'll be yeah. like ex you'll exhausted be in the first hour. Yeah, you'll hour, be smoked right? by the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so how build your habits uh, it's, it's something that helps with, with your self-mastery. And a few, a couple of weeks ago, you, you sent out a video, uh, Joe, mm -hmm. on, on the uh, Legendary uh, Leaders uh, mm -hmm. Facebook page. And, and I really like this because you, you talk about, hey, what your future, you ask, what will the future, your official self will be grateful for something that you do today? Mm -hmm. Right. And if, you know, ask yourself that and then go ahead and do it. Right. Right. And your official self will, will be grateful for that. Uh, it made me think about, yeah, we can be deterministic about that action, but how about if today I create an environment where I let great habits flourish? Right. Mm. For sure, that will be something that will pay dividends for my future self. Right. Right. And uh, so, so I, I think that's a, a great thing to, to have because there, there is uh, one thing called the 1% rule. And, and this comes, uh, I got this idea from James Clear and, and his uh, author of the book, Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. It's a really great book. Yeah, great book. So, so 1% rule is if, if I improve today, one, just 1% of, of what I do, you know, who, who am I? And the improvement will be probably non-discernible, right? It's not much, right? But if I improve 1% tomorrow and then 1% the next day and so on and so on, uh, I will be 37 times better than mm -hmm. when I started, right? Right. So, so yeah, so, so we are not math functions, but for sure the, the spirit of, investing on yourself it's is something that will pay dividends for you by the by the uh, end of year right if you start it today now having said that uh being purposeful about some things it takes energy 
and habits don't take much energy. So if you're able to create habits for yourself, for your self-growth, these will definitely get you there unknowingly. And at one point, you're just going to break that threshold from here to, to a better you, right? And you wouldn't even notice because it's just habits that are right. just working mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And to go back, I mean, I want to definitely dive into the, the habits um, that you know, talking about mm-hmm. creating that environment. The the topic you talked about right before with the um, it was the four buckets. Is that what? You're, yeah. yeah. So you're, yeah, yeah. The mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. So so I mentioned buckets, but uh, you can so so the tool itself you can do a mm-hmm. four quadrant right uh, box, mm-hmm. right? You have quadrant one, two, three, and four. Quadrant one being data, mm-hmm. then two being feelings. Right. You have judgments number three, and and then wants and needs. Right. Yeah. So it's it's um, interesting because you know I learned a, lot, a little bit about cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, and uh-huh. when I went to University of Pennsylvania for a little bit, and um, we were talking about that, and they, of course they model it a little bit differently. And I mean, all this stuff came from many years ago, right, centuries ago. Uh-huh. But but it's great thinking. And um, I know in the military we started transitioning to um, you have an activating event. You know, you have your thoughts about the event. You know, then you uh-huh. have your then you have your consequences of those thoughts, whether they're reactions, emotions, right, and how you respond. Yeah. And then that that part at the end that a lot of people forget is, hey, after action report. You know, think about uh, it. Was that yeah. actually the most effective way? Still, even if it worked out in your favor, because sometimes you just got lucky, right? And you yeah, still could yeah. have done a little bit better. So, I, I love how you uh, package that together, and um, and mm-hmm. I think that's a great way for us. And that, that could be that could translate to so many different things: to how you respond to somebody in a relationship, to yeah. how you respond to having no more cereal in the cupboard <laughs> to, you know, to, uh, to being parked in somewhere or a uh, you know, road rage or whatever it might be. I mean, yeah. just, just stopping and slowing down for a moment and, and taking that moment to, to identify what's going on there. I think that's, that's super valuable for anybody to, to really grasp. Yeah, that definitely is it's definitely a good tool to have on, on your belt for, mm-hmm. for slowing down and, and taking, uh, uh, your time to to decide what to do in, in a situation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps you kind of baseline your footing, mm-hmm. right? Before you start communicating, engaging with reality. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, when we talk about the habits too, if you start making that a habit, you know what I mean? You can, you can start, it can be a fat, you know, eventually it's, it's faster. You know, you're able to identify yeah. it a little bit quicker and then go back and deep down and find out what is making me feel this way. Is there some cultural yeah. thing that's making me feel, you know, I mean, something that yeah. happened in my past. So um, great, um, great way to analyze oneself and, and part of the whole self mastery, that awareness piece. But, but going into that, you said that creating an environment where great habits flourish. Yeah. So what are some tips you can give to help that you know what i mean because some people will listen to us like yeah, i want i want to live in an environment where great habits will flourish but you know yeah. so what are some tips that you you would give to somebody if they asked you that question yeah so one good thing uh that we know today and living this time that there has been quite a bit of research on on habits and mm-hmm. how habits are are formed right so so i think uh in order to for you to understand how do I create good habits? It's a good, it's good for one to understand how habits are, are created, right? Mm-hmm. And and the research shows that when when a habit is created, uh, it's broken down in, in bits and pieces, right? 
And uh, the bits and pieces, they look like this. So first you have a cue or a trigger, mm -hmm. right? And uh, then you have a routine that follows that, that trigger. And then you have the reward, right? Mm -hmm. So in life, uh, if you discover something rewarding and you're able to associate that cue and trigger with that reward, you are on your way to start creating a habit loop, right? Where you have that, that trigger, that cue, uh, then you do that routine and then you obtain the reward. And every time you associate that cue with that reward, then you're gonna have that craving, right? Mm -hmm. So, so in, in, you can break that routine even further saying you have a cue and uh, and then you have the routine, but that routine is broken down in a craving and then the response, right? You have a, a, a cue, craving, the response you, you do, and then the reward, right? So how you create an environment where good habits flourish and possibly uh, you remove yourself away from those hab bad habits that you may have, right? So, um, and again, going back to that book, Atomic Habits, and there's a great content in there and some other sources as well. But in, in this book, they, they, they break it down into four laws. So if you have a cue that is benefiting you, then you should make it obvious. So for me, if running, working out uh, is triggered by my running shoes, maybe I should create an environment when I wake up early in the morning and the first thing I see is my uh, shoes, right? Mm -hmm. Possibly you can have your fitness clothes ready so mm -hmm. it's just even easier, right? And for each of this habit loop uh, breakout, there's like a, a, the author, James Clear, he suggests a law for you to use, right? So, so for cues, just uh, make it obvious for, for the craving, if it's something that's beneficial for you, then uh, make it uh, attractive, right? Uh, an example for that is the language you use for things. So, uh, and I shared this recently on, on my Facebook, but for example, uh, if there's something you need to do, if I need to cook food for my family, well, change that a, a bit. Uh, instead of using the word need, mm -hmm. uh, change it with get. Hey, right. uh, I need to cook for my family, I get to cook for my family. I, uh, I'm, I'm a father of a 10 month old, so I change. I have to change diapers. No, I mm -hmm. get to change diapers, right? And, and both are, are the same thing, but mm -hmm. one is more empowering and, and gives more attraction to the thing you're actually doing. So, so that's like for, for the craving of, of things, right? For the response itself, the thing that you do, the law to, to make it even a habit that, that sticks is make it easy. So it's, it's harder for me to run 10 miles, mm -hmm. but maybe it's easier for me to just run one mile, right? Depending on where you are. And, and I know you're a runner <laughs> and, and, and you'll probably like dust me up. On, on, <laughs> but for me, if I want to create a, a habit that it, it creates some automaticity that it mm -hmm. becomes, I need to, to repeat it quite often. And the easier it is, the, the more the, the more likely the habit will, will stick, right? Mm -hmm. 
So uh, for somebody who is non-fitness at all, you know, you might start with doing one push-up, right? You know, and, and go from there, and you you create that habit of doing one push-up, and then from there you you keep making it harder and harder, right? And then for for the last part, the reward of it, uh, the lie is uh, making it uh, rewarding. So so the thing about about habits, good habits, and and, and you, Again, with your question, what can you do today that will your future you will be grateful? The thing with habits is that when you do something today, it's not rewarding until the future self, mm-hmm. right? And because of you don't have the future self in there to tell you, hey, good job, man. Right. Uh, sometimes we don't do it, right? And mm-hmm. And, and the, the, unfortunately for us, the bad habits are the ones that are rewarding in the moment. Mm-hmm. They're not effective because, I don't know, like, uh, an example, if I'm a smoker, uh, mm-hmm. I smoke today uh, because it, it controls my anxiety or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. I, it's rewarding me in the moment, but it's not effective because right. in the long run, it's just going to mess me up, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's bad habits, but good habits, it's inverse right you you you're doing something for your future self right so in a way try to make it rewarding right so uh, just you know if again going back to the uh, fitness uh, analogy if i run uh, one mile at the end uh, obviously i'm not gonna reward myself with a bowel of ice cream something that will <laughs> but but do something that will make you rewarding and mm-hmm. even something simple as raising your fist and saying yes you know right. that that creates some a little bit of dopamine mm-hmm. that that gives you that rewarding on, on you right so there's a, a lot of literature out there on on habits mm-hmm. and it's a self journey but uh, I encourage people to just see where that journey takes you and and what good habits mean for you because uh, especially now that i mean you have this disruption and our environments change in a way that we might not have a say instead of being a victim of of habits of of your environment uh, you can be your you know, the architect of it and and have it work for you yeah, that is awesome. That is great stuff, Jorge. I love it. And, you know, when you say to have to, I have to, or I need to, instead uh, I get to, or I choose to, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those, and, and you know what, really everything is a choice. I mean, you don't have to change the diaper on your child. It's a choice you choose to do. I mean, you might not yeah. like the consequences of not doing it, right? But but those are still choices and we got to realize that. And I love what you talked about, you know, making, uh, to, to develop that habit, you know, create those good habits. Because I remember watching a video a while back and uh, this guy was like, we have this weird view of our future selves that we think our future selves are better than our current selves thinking that we're going to do it tomorrow. You know, whatever it is, <laughs> we're going to run tomorrow. It was like, you're good enough today. Just do it yeah. today. Right. Right. So those are great perspectives. Yeah. There, there's no outsourcing. Right. That to <laughs> self, right. Yeah. And, and, and something you say about there's always a choice mm-hmm. and it's true because even for mindfulness, uh, taking a deep breath, Mm-hmm. upon whatever challenge you have in the moment it's it's a choice mm-hmm. right and, and that itself might be the 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 small thing that will help you uh, slow down and and get into the mindfulness of, of things 
right. I choose to do this. I choose to go pick up my children from, you know, whatever the, from school or the, yeah. or the game or whatever it might be. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we could talk for hours on this stuff and I'd love to have you on again because this is just uh, amazing. Uh, I think the conversations that you and I can have can last and, and we're going to have like multiple sessions out here, but um, really appreciate you coming on Jorge. But you know, when we wrap these up, we like to um, wrap them up what we call the leadership rapid fire. So yeah. we're going to ask you, I'm going to ask you four questions and these questions, you know, however you want to interpret them and, and you go ahead and answer it in that way. Cool. And we say rapid, but I mean, it's just <laughs> okay. <laughs> how you interpret it and respond. Okay. So, yeah. so we send a couple softballs. The first one is what is your favorite leadership trait? Okay, so, so, so I'm, I'm a, a, so, okay, I'll say curiosity. Okay. Yeah, so I'm a person who, who is curious, mm -hmm. and I like to, uh, as much uh, as I, I can, I like to, to ask questions before jumping into, to advice, giving, mm -hmm. and sometimes listening is, is hard, right? But mm -hmm. at least uh, that being curious does does help with that. It helps me stay stay curious longer before I want to jump into responses. And yeah. it's a little bit paradoxical because I was like giving advice all this time and, and mm -hmm. telling, but I usually I try to fall back into the curiosity of, of things. I think that's why we get along so well, because that's also my favorite leadership trait is curiosity. <laughs> I just told someone that the other day. So, because we all, oh, yeah, you know, I'll we're play. always, we're always asking everybody else and someone asked me and I was like, oh yeah, well, mine's curiosity. Okay, there, <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, awesome. we didn't rehearse this. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, it's cool. So uh, the second question is, uh, what is your favorite quote? I, I have uh, two in mind, maybe. And one comes uh, okay. straightforward. Okay. Um, it's come. It, it it comes from George Box, his uh, statistician, where he says that all all models are wrong. Some are useful. Mm. So um, so for example, to today I I we talk about the drama triangle. Uh, we talk about the mindfulness and and there's this framework to to look at the world. So so models in a way they reduce the. Uh, the, the real scale of things into something that can be represented and in that thing itself it's it's not real right mm -hmm. but it it might be useful yeah right so so yeah you know, choose your 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 models and frameworks wisely uh, because they're not the real reality of of things but mm. they're they might be useful yeah and and there's another one a cool quote and it comes from so so i first listened from stephen covey from mm -hmm. seven habits of highly successful people and it's uh from uh this person on oh, i i think i put myself in a corner now <laughs> uh victor frankel yeah victor uh, frankel yeah and stimulus and response yes yeah, yeah that one. amazing yeah. amazing quote yeah yeah uh so be, between stimulus and, and response Response, there's a gap, right? Mm -hmm. And in that gap, there is a choice, right? And mm -hmm. in that choice uh, lies your your self growth and mm -hmm. and freedom, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so so yes, that that one. And we talk about habits, mm -hmm. right? And mindfulness. 
uh, self-mastery, uh, I think that kind of nails down because we're always stimulated by the environment, by right. other people, you know, places, locations, um, uh, even yeah. mental states. And those are stimulus for us. So, so there's always a gap. There's, there's always a choice. Yeah. And I love that you brought up because, you know, everybody brings up the beginning part of that quote. I made a short video on this one time, too, because I was like, everybody talks about between stimulus and response, there's a space, you know, and that space, our power to choose. But they forget the part where our growth. Right. I mean, uh, and, yeah. I, and I think that's just as important part of that. So awesome, man. So cool. Um, third question. Um, what, what is a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader? I already wrote down Atomic Habits as something that we definitely want to put to the show notes. But anything else you'd like to add? We'll, we'll add those onto show notes as well okay so all right so i already mentioned it i i, I think uh stephen covey's seven mm -hmm. habits of, of highly successful people they it's it's an old classic oh, it yeah. has more than 20 years mm -hmm. uh it, it it stands the uh time yeah. today right uh, mm -hmm. i think it's it's really useful one and one that i find myself rereading at least maybe once per year. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good one, man. I don't know what it is. I feel like we're best friends now. That's the one <laughs> book I recommend to people also. Cause I was like, you oh, know, it, it, it helped. Uh, yeah, I mean, man. it's not just leadership, it's self mastery, right? Self leadership. Right. I think yeah. that's really important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, right, all right, cool. So, um, the last question, this is the one that typically people need to, you know, interpret on your own what it means. But uh, how do you find harmony between life, learning and leadership? Because that's what we're about at the Lama Lounge, life, learning and leadership. So how do you find harmony between those three? That's a good question. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a struggle, right? Mm -hmm. But if, if I were to give uh, some advice, it will be embrace your, your constraints. And what I mean by that, if, so yeah, all the things you mentioned, life, uh, leadership, I mean, in, in life you, you have, so, so you have health, right? Things you have to worry about. You have work, you have family, you have friends, and, and you cannot do it all mm -hmm. at the same time, right? Right. And, and there's like a seasonal element to this where, for example, I be, if I become a father, Mm -hmm. Today, I, I know that family is one of the things that I need to, to keep my, my blue chips in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and friends tend to, to go to, to the side, right? Uh, so, so understand that you're going to have constraints in, in life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they're seasonal in, in nature. Uh, maybe today I, I pay attention to, to, I, to my work, mm -hmm. right? And pay attention to my family, Maybe that might sacrifice friendships. Maybe mm -hmm. it might sacrifice a little bit of, of health uh, because maybe I used to work out uh, four hours per day or you know some mm -hmm. crazy things like that. And now I cannot do that anymore. So so there's the seasonal element of it, but also during the day, there's an element of constraint. So so if if I choose to work in the morning for one hour have my my constraint be in there right pay attention to how much bang for your buck you can get from that one hour of of training right mm -hmm. so so if i'm training uh doing weightlifting and i'm texting doing facebooking and all that chances are you're not obtaining right. the most of, of that right yeah. same with your learning right mm -hmm. if, if you separate 
create some calendar time for you to do some reading and all that. Focus on that, right? Uh, same with work. Uh, after work, you might have family time. So embrace that constraint, right? Create some boundaries and that way you'll be creating some, some balance. That's awesome. Right, that was awesome. That's great. Some, some great advice there and um, great conversation that we had. Hey, so I want to give you an opportunity. If, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you to get some more advice, maybe uh, whether or not we're talking about Agile or if we're talking about um, some of the um, strength coaching stuff that we talked about, the self-mastery, how, how would they be able to get in contact with you? Yeah, so, so for sure. So you can reach me at my personal email. That's Jorge.Lopez.Agile. That's a, a Gmail. Yeah. Uh, feel free to reach out if you're curious about Agile. Maybe you find yourself transitioning. So I, I didn't go much through that, but for me, it was a little bit rough at mm. first. Mm-hmm. Some learnings in there. Yeah. Anything also, uh, I'm also a Gallup certified strength coach. So meaning you, you pay attention to what's already grading people. And from mm-hmm. there, you build from, and you don't necessarily build from, trying to level up weaknesses to what's normal, right? So, uh, but yeah, uh, that, that will be where you can find me and I'll be of service uh, for you, for those who, who want awesome. to reach out. Thanks, Jorge. Man, I really appreciate it. I think we'll, have, we'll definitely even dive in more into the uh, whole strength and leveling up uh, and the next time we have you on. Hopefully you're willing to come back on again. Yeah, definitely. I really, really enjoyed this. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. As always, uh, be safe, stay healthy, and llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.